So if you're new to Australia and you don't quite know what it's about, it started back after World War I when there was a, an incredible uh, attempt to take over a beach at Gallipoli. The idea was to take over Constantinople, which is now modern day, I think it's Istanbul, is that right? It's a capital of Turkey. And so this is going to be a strategic victory, and the Allied armies thought, we've got this in the bag, it's going to be easy. But what happened was instead it was a stalemate. And many thousands of lives were lost. I was looking through at the number of lives that were lost and the number of people that were hurt as a result or maimed. And it is a significant amount of people considering the population of the world back then was far less than we have today. And so what started as a celebration in honor of those fallen who gave up their freedom so that we can have ours we now celebrate that for every armed person who goes into battle for us. And of course, on a day like today, as we celebrate that, we cannot forget the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus also made for us. Well, I thought I'd open with a story this morning, share a little bit. I, I only shared this once before, and it was at Staines Memorial College. I was preaching at a school chapel. And I realized I never told anyone the story. I don't even think my sister Ruth knows the story. So we were, I think I must have been, it could have been fourth grade. And I'm there in class. And uh, back in the day, uh, so for the children, don't be too maimed or harmed by this, but us older people, do you remember when we had corporal punishment? Can I see those wave of hands? You know, the teachers could do it to you. And the parents said, absolutely, go for it. Now that I'm a teacher, I don't know, it's not even there anymore. But back in those days, but to top it all off, I had nuns as teachers. Let me tell you, the CIA and FBI have nothing on nuns. If you want to get people to speak, right, terrorists, just bring a nun into the room and they'll be spitting it all out. Oh, this is what we did, I'm so sorry. Well... This particular nun, Sister Elizabeth, you remember Sister Elizabeth Ruth? She was my teacher. She was mean to start with, let me tell you. But then again, I was that kid in RE class, religious education. I was like, mm-mm, that's not in the Bible, sister. She goes, well, it's in our Bible. <laughs> that's how it always ended. She ended up becoming a friend of the family. But before that happened, this is still grade four, I was there. I remember this one kid, like you would get in trouble in class. And uh, what they would do, it, the teachers back in that day, but particularly nuns, I've got to speak from nuns' side of view, uh, point of view here, they could use anything. I mean, it could be a piece of paper that'd give you paper cuts, you know? <laughs> anything could be done. But she used to use a feather duster. Not the comfortable side, the cane side. And so I knew what was going to happen. But what happened was a kid in class did something stupid right? Really stupid. And the nun found out. And she's so upset. She says, well, the young man or the young woman who did that, stand up. And I know who it was. I saw the kid do it. But he was just terrified, this kid. He was one of those ones that are always very, very shy. Terrified. It was like the earth was going to swallow him alive. And so he just kept his head down. If you don't speak up, the entire class is going to receive the punishment. I told you nuns, didn't I? And I don't know what got into me at that point in time. This compassion overwhelmed me. It was the dumbest thing I think I've ever done in my life. This compassion overwhelmed me. And I saw this kid, he's terrified, he's shaking at the table. Surely other kids saw that he did that. 
But I thought if he doesn't own up to it, well, number one, he won't because he can't. And if he doesn't own up to it, the entire class is going to be punished. Yeah, you guessed it. This compassion overwhelmed me. Well, the student who did it, please stand up. And I stood up on his behalf. She couldn't even say my name to have the dignity of calling me up. Mr. Padididi, Mr. Padidid, cannot be here. And I got up there. She says, bend over in front of the entire class. I'm bent over and she picks up the cane. Whack, whack, whack. And no one said a thing. Tears welling up in my eyes as I sat down thinking, that was the stupidest thing I could have ever done. <laughs> it was stupid. Because the kid didn't even take the time to thank me for taking the punishment for him. And none of the class realized this other kid did it. They actually thought I did it. And so they were like, serves you right. You turkeys. I wonder what it was like for Jesus when he took the punishment for us. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles and chapter 11. If you didn't bring your Bibles with you, we won't shame you. Just pull out your smartphone like you intended to all along. And oh, the scripture is on the screen. Oh man, we're getting fancy now. Praise the Lord. Okay, follow with me. If you didn't bring your Bibles, that's fine. Now, the reason why we want you to use your smart devices or your notebooks, I want you to write in it. Okay, we're, we're, we're a church that believes in the teaching of the Word of God. Something is going to break out in your spirit today. And if that is you, I want you to make some noise, holler, point, okay? But help me to preach this message. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, reading verses 15 to 19. Follow with me in your Bibles. I'm reading from the NIV version. Three of the 30 chiefs came down to David to the rock at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. I'm thinking, why did you waste it? They went through all that trouble. We're going to get into it. He says, God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back. David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. The Bible tells us that David wasn't king at this point in time but that he attracted a, ben, a band of warriors. In fact, the Bible describes them this way. They were the troubled, they were the troublemakers in the land, they broke laws in the land, so they, they were ejected out of society. And so David ends up welcoming all the rejects into his camp. He's not yet king, but they recognize the anointing on his life. And so they followed this man, realizing this is indeed the next leader of Israel. 
And the three were the greatest out of all the 30 men. The Bible tells us and records some of the exploits of the 30. This is beyond normal. We're talking one man would be the equivalent of 100 men, normal soldiers. That's how awesome they were. But of the three, they were incredibly mighty, fighting giants, uh, uh, in, in fact, killing a 1,000 in one encounter. Unbelievable. And three of these guys, they were the generals. When they heard that David said something like this, they had to go out of their way, willing to lay their lives down for a glass of water. Tell me that is not incredible sacrifice. It's, it's a story much like that woman who broke open the alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, equal to a year's wages, or equivalent to that poor, poor widow who didn't have much money at all, but she gave two small mites, the Bible says, which was basically everything she had. See, that happened in the New Testament, and you can know the reaction of God towards sacrifice because Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. And so while he was on the planet, he stood opposite the temple treasury. You notice at Live City Church, we didn't take up tithes and offerings. That's because we got mature men and women of God. They give online, okay? Some like to give physically, that's fine. But we understand sacrifice is essential to worship. It's part of what we do. And so Jesus himself is sitting opposite the temple treasury. Like, what was he doing there? He literally sat there to watch how people gave. And there's this old lady, an old widow. There's no hope of ever having enough money. She'll never have enough. And she's so embarrassed She's waiting till all the rich people come by. In fact, the Bible says that the rich, they would blow trumpets in the city square to let everyone know. They're going to the temple to give. They're going to the temple to give. There'd be a choir saying, see the great and mighty man of God as he comes to the temple to give. Come pour and receive. And they would throw coins out into the crowd and they would go to the temple treasury, sacks upon sacks of gold being put into the treasury. Meanwhile, this poor woman is so embarrassed. She waited until no one was looking, or so she thought. And when she put it in, Jesus stands up. It was, to him, it was like a football game, and they just scored the winning touchdown. Did you see what that woman did? Who gave more? The rich and wealthy man that came before her, or this woman? And the disciples are thinking, oh, that's a hard question to answer because, you know, because the obvious one, obviously the rich guy gave more. He says, no, 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 she gave more. He had plenty, and he gave out of his plenty, there was overflow, but for her, she didn't have enough to live on. And she took that, and she gave it to God, and Jesus like, wow, wow, that is incredible. You see, what makes this story stand out of these three men was that they put more value in satisfying their leader than in their own lives. I wonder if this is a picture of what it is to worship God, that we put more value in honoring the Father, in more value in showing love for Him than we care even about our own lives. I took a whooping 
for a thankless class and a no good kid who didn't even have the courtesy to look me in the eye and say, thank you so much for doing that for me, didn't even care. But then, would I have cheapened the act if I was looking for the praises of men? In a world that puts great emphasis on self, self-care, self-help, selfies, selfish, the concept of self-sacrifice is almost lost. It's an art that's been lost in the overpowering voice of today's media. But these three generals, the greatest of the mighty men, this story is an allegory. It's not just a story in one sense, but it's much, much deeper because it portrays a kind of worship that we are supposed to have for the Father because it's all about heart. Have we, have we lost heart in the church today that we cannot understand this anymore? I'm not talking about Live City Church. I'm talking about the church of God. Jesus had not yet come on the scene but we know that Jesus was called, quote-unquote, the son of David for a reason. So perhaps that connection between David and that connection between God becomes even more real as we see the sacrifice of the three generals. I want to give you some keys to great sacrifice. So take some notes this morning. Here's the first one. Be sensitive to God's needs. I think we're so caught up in our own needs and what we need. And even think about your prayer life. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You don't start your prayer with, give me, 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 give me. I want more, 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 more. The Bible says when you pray, Jesus said, pray like this. God, Father, you are awesome. I thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for what you did for me, acknowledging a heart of gratitude. And they were, these men, they were sensitive to their leader and they hung around him. See, that's the problem. We don't even know the heart of God because we're not even spending time with him. My daughter, Tali, was sharing at devotions. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the, the message is done. Drop the mic. So powerful in prayer this morning. She's saying, you know, how important it is to put God first above everything else. But she was saying, you know, for me, it was about dancing, 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 dancing. She's a great dancer. She's studying dancing for a degree. Who does that? I can't dance. You can't pay me to dance. I'm a chair dancer. I can move around like this, see, when I'm on the, dan when I'm on the, on the chair. But the moment I stand up, klutz. She said, she realized at some point the Lord is speaking to her, saying, you're putting dance before me. How about you put me first? She said this, the, uh, paraphrased. She did, and all these events that she used to have on Sundays, where she had to go and give up church, got shifted to other days of the week. Praise the Lord. That was a miracle. Because she sought the kingdom of everything else. See, when you, when you are close to the Father, when you're close to God, you know what He thinks. You see, you become more like him. You love what he loves, and you hate what he hates. The Bible says in verse 17, David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Very specific because he grew up in Bethlehem. 
Remember how Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem for the census because that was the city of David where he came from? For the census? Have you ever craved for something? Not actually expecting to get it, but your family or friends went out of their way to get it for you? I must have mentioned it once or twice. I must have watched a movie and I chuckled when I saw something on Facebook, but I mentioned Star Wars. All of a sudden, I don't know how it happened. My family heard me. It was just a passing comment. But then for the next three years, for birthdays, Father's Days, Christmas, <laughs> just because, I am getting like Star Wars paraphernalia everywhere. I, I thought I'd bring some of them because they, these are visuals. I've got like Stormtrooper socks here. Let me just put them here and you can have a look at that. Okay, I've got uh, Stormtrooper Slippers. I don't know. They thought I liked the stormtroopers. I got bedroom slippers, stormtrooper slippers. Let me just keep going here. I might need an assistant. Look, I've even got a Star Wars t-shirt. The friend zone, it says here. So I'll just lay that over there. Let me just keep going. I think I've got more. Oh, there is so much. I only brought a handful of stuff that I had near me. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is great. This is the latest stuff. Let me show you the kind of stuff I get. Okay, over here, I've got... Uh, <laughs> that's just so great. This is a Han Solo ice cube maker. Do you know how I got stuck in the carbon? I, I got that as well. I'll put that out here. And then to top it all off, my daughter Eden buys me lightsaber chopsticks. That actually light up. Okay, that is the love of a family. It was just a passing comment. What they don't know is I'm not that much of a fan of Star Wars. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I love it nonetheless. Don't worry, I do love it. <laughs> That you love it. <laughs> they were, they're close to me because of spending time in my presence all the time. They hear little passing comments. It was just a comment, but they took it to heart. They thought, Dad loves Star Wars. My husband loves Star Wars. They went out of their way. They're going shopping online. You did a shopping online to find the chopsticks. You can't find them in normal stores. The ice cube trays, they've gone all out of the way because they love me. You see, those who appreciate what God has done for them are tuned into what God wants. And when they hear it, they're willing to sacrifice everything to make it happen. Let me go backwards for a moment. Do you even know what the word appreciate means? We say something like this when you're given a present. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. But do you know what appreciate means? It's a real estate term. You see, when you buy a car, all the young people saving up for cars, can I just tell you, cars depreciate. That's the opposite of appreciate. They lose value over time. Whereas real estate, a house, property like that, they appreciate, they gain in value over the years. So when you're saying to someone, they give you a gift, Thank you. I appreciate it. You're literally saying, thank you for this gift. I'm going to add value to it. How are you appreciating the sacrifice of Jesus for you? 
These three men appreciated what David did for them. Remember, a ragtag group of people, they're outlaws, they're not wanted, they were thieves. Some of them were thieves. They were kicked out, not accepted by anyone, and David takes them on board when they come to him, and he turns them around and creates a, a group of heroes such as the nation of Israel has never seen before or since. So the three broke through the Philistine lines. That was a hard effort. Drawing water from the well, looking around to make sure they're not going to get caught, having to break out again and carrying it back. It wasn't just a glass of water. I was trying to minimize it. It wasn't. It was a lot of water. I remember this classic story. It's called The Gift of the Magi. Some of you may have heard it. I know those of you my age and older have. Others who are younger may not have. It's a story of a young couple. On Christmas Eve, Della Young discovers she has only a dollar and 87 cents, in today's equivalent, 56 bucks, to buy a present for her husband, Jim. She has this beautiful, gorgeous hair, just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the kind of stuff people will pay money for. Jim knew that. And Della knew about Jim. Jim had a family heirloom, a very expensive pocket watch. Back in those days, it wasn't a wristwatch. It was a pocket watch, but he had to shove it in his pocket because he didn't have the chain. They couldn't afford it to put it into his pocket and not lose it in case he drops it. And so she visits a nearby shop of a hairdresser, Madame Sophronie, who buys Della's long hair for $20, about $600 in today's currency. Della then uses the money to buy a platinum pocket watch chain for Jim. When Jim comes home from work that evening, Della admits to him that she sold her hair to buy him the chain. And Jim, he's just so moved with, with just love for his wife because Jim then gives Della a present a set of ornamental combs which she will be unable to use until her hair grows back because she sacrificed for him. While the gifts that Jim and Della cannot be used, they know how far they would go to show each other their love. And yet what kind of love do you show God? Talia talked about this this morning. I don't have time for prayer. Oh, I don't have time for this. I'm just too busy. You don't understand, Pastor. I'm so busy. You know, I don't get paid by the church. I'm busy too. I got a day job. I got two jobs. But if I can't make time for him, I'm in trouble. I think it was Brother... I'm trying to remember his name. Not Brother Andrew. It was one of these guys who wrote about the presence of God, but he talks about how he said, I'm so busy that I do not have time but to give God an extra hour of prayer. And what happens is because you give God more time, He makes you more effective. He got more done by giving up another hour of prayer. David understood the value of the sacrifice they made. Here's the second key point. Know what is precious to God. See, a lot of times we think we know what is God's currency, you know. As long as I show up in church when I feel like it, when nothing better comes along, and I put my hands up as high as I can and sing with my loudest voice, God will know just how much I love Him. God actually speaks about that to His people. I mean, in the Old Testament and the New Testament where He says, 
your worship of me is worth nothing. It's just air. There's no heart behind it. I'm paraphrasing, of course. You give, but the gifts mean nothing because you didn't give with your whole heart. David realized the value of that water was far too high, too costly, too precious for him to treat it like regular drinking water just to, you know, satiate his thirst. And he realized, I've got to do something more with this. I remember when I went to Fiji in 2013. Uh, one of the guys in our church, she was an evangelist, wanted me to come with him and preach in the prisons of Fiji. We went into maximum security areas. We had like gates within gates, and I'm preaching there. But at the end of the trip, one of the pastors who'd organized this, this trip for us wanted me to meet his mother. And so he brings me to his house. It was a shack. It was a lean-to that was built illegally on land that they did not own because the owners were some rich, wealthy people from overseas that never bothered to come to Fiji. So they built their shack on this land, and they were living there. This family had no money, and I'm coming in there, and I'm there. They said, can we offer you a cup of tea? I'm thinking, this poor honey is so poor. Of course. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm taking this from them. So, I, so I'm having this tea with them. I'm just fellowshipping with them, and then I find out the mom is not well. And so I go, come on, let's pray for the mother. So I began to pray for her, and she gets radically healed by the Lord. I can't even remember what it was, because it was overshadowed by the next fact. This woman was so moved, she goes into her bedroom, scrounges around for any cash she has, and she gives me 15 Fijian dollars. Less than 10 bucks Australian. I but I'm going to do a 10 bucks. Can't even buy a proper Big Mac value meal. I know the value of it. I could buy the sausage and egg McMuffin, but I can't have the hash brown and the coffee. It's just going to be one or the other. Because that's, that's our currency. We're from the Western world. It's nothing. But you see, the, the value was it in how I beheld that finance. The value is how she beheld the finance and how she gave it out of her nothing. And I'm recognizing that 15 Fijian dollars was her groceries for an entire week. And she gave it to me. Well, she didn't give it to me. She, did, she recognized it. She gave it to God because she recognized the anointing on my life. It wasn't for me. It was for God, and she's so moved by what God did for her, she had to appreciate what she received, and so she gave because she loved the Lord so much. This is the next point. Appreciate the sacrifice. I don't, do, we, I, I'm, I'm fine with people, you know, they swear around me. I remember they knew I was a Christian the moment. I, I work in a Christian school now, so I don't think they swear. No, I mean, when I was working in an outside organization, I remember not mentioning a word that I was a Christian. They picked up, like, really quick, and they would swear in front of me. And say, oh, I'm so sorry, Paul. You, you know, you're, you're religious. I said, how could you possibly know that? They said, because you never swear. And you're always nice. So we, we recognize you were religious. I'm appreciating what God has done for me, that it must impact and change my lifestyle. David says in verse 19, God forbid that I should do this. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? 
the sacrifice that these men made was so costly, so precious. Listen to this. That David compares that precious water to blood. Did you see that? Should I drink the blood of these men? It's not blood. It's literally water. But he saw the worth of that water was far, far more than simply water. This is their lives that they put at stake. He says, I can't drink this water. He had far too much respect for their sacrifice. In the same way, I look around at this building. This is now our fourth service in our own building. You are just way too quiet. Some of you obviously have not been part of what we did before. We met outdoors. We braved two summer heats. We had to have fans and things blowing on the side. We went through winter. Do you remember the winter? And we tied one of the banners to the lighting tree, and then it acted like a sail. The wind blew it, and it crashed twice. Once in one of our people's like, oh, Lord, we can't keep doing this. We had to try and find other ways to try and secure it. We went through everything, and now I'm looking around this place. And I see blood, sweat, and tears when I walk in this building. I see so much love in this building. This stage was built by a guy who had boo to do with before, before this happened, and now I have a lot to do with Fred and Isaac. And miracle. And I can name you name after name. I look at the carpet squares that are laid here. It was done by Marty. It was done by Kobe. It was done by Pharrell, who's over in that room serving. It was done by Isaac. It was done by Eden. It was done by Daniel. It was done by Vanessa. So many people served. I look at the desk that was made in there that Gregor made. I'm so sorry to embarrass you guys. And forgive me if I've forgotten names. This guy is so painfully accurate with stuff. He wouldn't let me help him. I helped him. I helped build this. But he wouldn't let me build that. I said, would you like me to cut anything? No, no, no. It's okay. I'm thinking, he thinks I'm a lousy worker. <laughs> so there he is. Everything. He did like, you know, like measure twice, cut once. He's like measure five times and then cut once. And then he wants to make sure he cuts it absolutely perfect. So much love. Those toilets that you use today in the carpet, my wife vacuums them every week. One of our teams says, we should have a roster for the cleaning. I said, no, absolutely not. We'll just do it. We will do it. I have to appreciate, I'm not going to cry. I have to appreciate this building because it's so precious. The paint on these walls, that T over here, mostly Marty's the one that led it. Hours and hours. He gave up a month of his own work. And you know what happened? God blessed him. He's had his busiest time ever. You've got to honor the Lord for that and honor that sacrifice. And every week there are people serving because they appreciate what Christ has done for them and what this church means to them. And so they serve on teams. My daughter here this morning says, if you would like to, I'm saying, please, we want you to sign up. Help us because we are giving to people. We're passing on the gift to others because we're so, so blessed. 
I'm so appreciative of this facility. I want to see every seat filled in this room. I want to see every day of every week. This building is so busy. You've got to fight to book this place that the youth are pumping and taking it over. The young adults are taking this over. We've got prayer meeting. We met in that room back there, and there's Ransford already thinking, I can't wait till it's so built and so huge that the worship team is going to have to find another night. I said, well, probably you're going to have to move, but we know they have to find another night because we're going to have a band up here worshiping and leading the prayer, and then the band is in there. The vision is just flowing out of passion. Jesus made a similar observation to David when at the Last Supper he said, this wine, that little cup you took, this wine is my blood poured out for you. It's not literally blood, but he's doing exactly what David did. David says, I cannot drink the blood of these men. No, it's literally just water. But he's saying, because of the cost it took to provide this water, I, I, this is the blood of these men. I can't drink it. Here's where Jesus differs. He says, I want you to drink this blood, my blood. It's so important you do, he says, because this wine represents my blood. Because Christ made his sacrifice for you and me. And he says, when you drink this wine, you drink my blood. And it goes on like the scripture says, there is life in the blood. That's why we do communion every week. I want you to receive the life. Do you know that we can do deliverance ministry and people are struggling with that breakthrough? Do communion with them. Oh, they can't take it. They're fighting. Come on, sister, you can do it. I know that demons are fighting. Just take it. And they take it and they get delivered while they're having communion. Such is the power of the blood because there's life in the blood. And Jesus makes this comment. It's much like Anzac Day. Drink this in remembrance of me. Those men who gave up their lives for our nation and the men and women who continue to do so, they gave a sacrifice that I can't repay, but I can pay it forward. But even greater than that, Jesus died for every single sin that you committed, that I committed, and have yet to commit. So how am I appreciating what he did? Which brings me to the last and final point. How do you appreciate what Jesus sacrificed for you? I remember a story of a Chinese church that was raided by the the communist police. They came in to arrest them. They were terrified because they knew what happened next. Either they're thrown in prison or they will be killed on the spot. And definitely the pastors and the leaders would be killed on the spot. They and their families. Instantly. And so the police said to them, We're going to be merciful today. If you are not a Christian, you can leave now and spare your life because everyone here is going to be killed. And immediately there were several people ran out the door to save their lives. Then the door was shut and bolted. And the people are terrified as the police came to them and said, Good. Now we know who the real Christians are. We are also Christians and we did not want to be found out, which is we want to worship with you. That's why we have to get rid of them. Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. 
Despite how much he longed for that water, how much he needed that water, David chose instead to offer that precious water to God as a further sacrifice. You see, that was a sacrifice of the three men, their own lives at stake, to be able to do this. And now David recognizes it is too precious. I'm going to sacrifice it forward to a place that I can never give it back. I want to give it to the Lord. You see, God recognizes sacrifice. When that woman with the alabaster jar came to sacrifice to God, those disciples didn't get it. The people around him didn't get it. The host of the party didn't get it. And Jesus had to rebuke them all and tell them what she did will be remembered for all time to come. The Bible says, listen to this, at the beginning of time that Cain gave an offering. But Abel sacrifice. Do you hear the word, the difference? One was an offering, gave out of the abundance of what he had grown. That's Cain. The other, Abel, took the best of the best of what he had. Because of his heart was moved with such love and compassion for God. This is before a time when God says, you know, honor me with the tithes and the offerings. Do this, do that. It didn't exist. They were moved with compassion and love for God to do this. So why do we offer him so much less and expect him to be grateful? (laughs) We give him little. There you go, God. You're welcome. And he's saying, I don't need your nasty stuff. There's no heart behind it. But when you give, and you're giving with all your heart, because you're going to give more than just an offering. You're going to give so much more. We're not talking about a treasure. You know that, right? I'm talking about time, talent, treasure, worship before God. Hippa, if you want to come up. There was a story of a, a country, and I tried to look on it to find the actual legit thing, but I think it's more an allegory. There was a food shortage in a certain country. And in order to preserve that nation until the next rains came, the government decided we need to make sure that we are rationing the food to all the residents everywhere. In every town, in every village in our country, there must be a forced ration. That food would not be enough to fill your belly to make you feel actually full. But it would be enough to keep you from starving to death, from dying. And so the law was enacted, and across every village in that country, people were rationing everything. They could barely eat, they could barely survive, but they were surviving because they didn't know when the rains was come until a report came from a village where someone had stolen food. And so to make an example, because this was new, A commander was sent to this particular village to find out who the culprit was and to make an example of that culprit. Forty lashes. Forty whippings to make an example so no one else would dare break that rule. The food must be rationed. And so he goes into that town. He sets up a table. He sets up court. And one by one, these villagers came and sat before the commander. And he says, where were you between this time and that time? Tell me what you were doing. And one by one, the villagers are trying to express what was going on and what happened in their lives that day until it came down to one 
elderly woman. When she was discovered, she is just sobbing in tears. She says, please, sir, I just did not have enough. I was sick. And I, I just took a little bit more. I didn't take the whole, I didn't take another person's full more. So I just, I just helped myself just to a little bit more. Can't you show mercy for this time? And the commander says, no, woman, you know the rules have been very clear. It's been laid down that no one is allowed to eat more than their allotted share. Because what you have done is you have taken the food out of someone else's mouth. And though it may be a little bit, so you say, we don't have enough enough to feel full and you have now removed that from someone else and you have now caused a certain person to die the woman is sobbing and the commander would not relent he had to make an example and he says no you will receive the 40 punishment for thus is the edict of the country and with that he smacked the gavel the woman is just crying she's beside herself she's absolutely broken a woman like that old can't survive 40 lashes she's not gonna make it she knows a certain death so she's crying she's bleeding and he would not listen the commander goes up to her he says the punishment is fair and just for the crime you knew the consequences and you did it anyway and with that, the commander took off his jacket and he says, Mom, I'll take the beating for you. As a child, I was prepared to sacrifice myself for the sake of another student who couldn't take the beating. And I was prepared to embarrass myself to my entire class who didn't know I was innocent and take the punishment for them. They did not appreciate the sacrifice because they didn't know I took the punishment for them Jesus did so much more for us he made a sacrifice that no one else could pay no one was good enough no one could do it Jesus is God, which means God made the command. He took off his shirt and says, I'll take the beating for you. You still have to have the beating, but you're not going to get it. I'm going to get it for you. You see, salvation is free. But discipleship, following Jesus, will cost you your life. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for salvation. Oh, praise the Lord. And then they go about their way living like the devil the rest of the week. Today, many are oblivious to his sacrifice. They take his name for granted. They curse. They swear. They make up imaginative stories to try and twist the truth of this beautiful Christ that we serve. Because they don't know what he did for them. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, even the ones that don't know him yet. David showed appreciation for that gift of life, and he poured it out before the Lord. But I want to ask you today, how are you appreciating Jesus' sacrifice for you?